you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Damashek Football Program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program, available as always on iTunes and at nfl.com slash Sheck. Divisional round, committed to history, title Sunday awaits at long last. We've had, with no offense to Joe Flacco and Eli Manning and their teams that got all the way to the Super Bowl and, in fact, won it, finally we have the final four that curmudgeons like me desire, which is to say the four best teams. Every once in a while... A, an underdog sneaking through, jumping over the fence, and getting all the way to the front line is grand, but a little too much of that for me. Well, these are the matchups we've desired now for a little while, and now they are here. Something to satisfy all football fans' eyeballs. Whether you like the old school guys or the new, you have both of them uh, on display this coming Sunday. Let's break those games down and also take a look back at the divisional rounds that got us here with... A couple of fellas who I hold in the highest of regard. First of all, from around the league, the very fine uh, podcast, as well as obviously NFL.com slash ATL, keeping you up to speed on all that's going down in the NFL. And much is going down, not just with these playoff teams, but Ken Wisenhunt, hired by the Tennessee Titans on this Monday afternoon. Let's talk about it with our main man. Like I say, a man who I hold in the highest of regard since he crossed my path sometime back in 2013. It's Chris Wessling. What's the poop, fella? What a beautiful week. We have the best four-pack of teams, I think, that I've had since I've been covering football. Maybe even what do you mean? watching football. What it, do you mean? Four best, the two best games, or these are the four best teams? The best final four. Yes, right. Yeah. And it's 80 degrees every day this week. What What better place to be than NFL dot com studios in la in january 
for a great Final Four. No compunction at all about taunting your, you know, your colleagues and friends and family spread around the United States suffering from the polar vortex. Or is that over now? I believe that went out the window when I called Bengals fans chumps. Ah. So I, I... I've already crossed that Rubicon, so I don't think there's any going back now. No, indeed. No, indeed. Also here, a man who hails from gray skies of London, but then uh, traded those in for the sunny skies of California, and his heart belongs to the Sunshine State specifically, South Beach, the Miami Dolphins. It's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. Hello, handsome. How are you? I'm very well indeed, thank you, Dave. Are you? Are you over the moon about this? I like. I'm excited about. I mean, well, first of all, I'm excited about being in a room with Chris Wessling. Oh, really? I, my favorite um, NFL.com podcast is the Dave Damashek Football Program. But nipping at its heels is the ATL podcast, and and there are four, normally four or five guys on there. My favorite one of them all. I kind of drown out the others. Chris Wessling. Is that right? Talk wow. sense. I love listening wow. to Chris Wessling. So that's an excitement in itself. But I agree with Wes as well. We often do agree. There are four teams left. I, I'm so excited. Like I, Black Tie and I were talking yesterday. We kind of could have done away with the last 20 weeks and just skipped straight ahead to, to this weekend because we all wanted this, right? It's always my fear, yes, that something's going to get in the way. That's why I was so upset by the way the seeds broke out. I thought, man, we're going to have to have both the Niners and Seahawks take care of business to see each other in the title game. I thought we weren't going to get it. Again, this is the game everybody wants. But let's go back. Let's go through the games one by one. And kibitz about those, some takeaways from those as we now get ready to uh, to get ready for these title games here. Starting off with the Seahawks hosting the Saints. And to me, that you know, there's already a lot of noise about Russell Wilson didn't look great. People are, are bad-mouthing him. To me, the biggest difference between the Niners and the Seahawks is that Colin Kaepernick looks grand these days because he has Michael Crabtree, Vernon Davis, and Anquan Bolden out there. Whereas Russell Wilson, the only viable, I mean, the legitimate high-end pass catcher he has is Percy Harvin. And almost literally, if Percy Harvin is involved in a play, it results in him laying on the ground. <laughs> I mean, I really. I mean, just about every time a play goes in his direction, it ends with 90 seconds or more of him laying on the turf being evaluated by somebody. Wes... What do you think about the Seahawks now? Because I feel like, well, I don't feel like, I know that I've said for at least two months now that if they get home field, it's over with, they're going to the Super Bowl. I now I'm going to go against myself. I feel, I'm going to, listen, I have to weigh all the data first. You know how I am. I have to figure it all out before I issue my final verdict. But right now I'm leaning towards the Niners. How say you? Uh, the first five games of Russell Wilson's career were the least efficient, the least yes. effective he's had. This five-game stretch, his last five games, is the second least effective and efficient. He's been underwhelming. The passing game has not been good. They looked pretty good early in the game when Percy, Har- Percy Harvin was healthy, but like you said, he's on the all-bubble wrap team. So you can't – can we count on him to play? It's a concussion, so we don't know. Golden Tate, to me, seemed out of it after his first quarter hit in that game. Uh, didn't fight for balls in traffic. Dropped that ball uh, on the offsides play or on the onside kick and didn't look like himself even then. He was he looked sluggish the whole game. So he's got, to me, I don't know where you go at wide receiver right now. That's a struggling passing game. And whereas I think the 49ers might be the best coach team in the league, Daryl Bevel was not doing Russell Wilson any favors last game. 
Hmm. Handsome, what do you think about now this state? It, you know, the talk is, and I don't know if there's any merit to comments like this, but I've been hearing it. The buzz is now the Seahawks peak too soon. How say you? Uh, I don't know about that because I think they're a team that, that seems to come well prepared every week and they're pretty consistent in what they do. Look, I think if, if the um, if the 49ers defense can somehow, and it's easier said than done, obviously, but if they can somehow take Marshall and Lynch out of the game and then make Russell Wilson rely on that pretty average uh, group of receivers, then then they they have some trouble, I think, the Seahawks moving the ball. I feel like that it was the thing that was that that makes me and it's it's the for me the quarterback league thing has now given way to update league. That's the phrase that now comes to mind for me is that everybody goes off of whatever the most recent result was for a team. That then defines who they are in the following week. I do though, so I don't want to read too much into it, but I am just not I I have not been impressed by the Saints for some time. I thought they were semi-fraudulent. So for them to be in the game at the end of it with those Seahawks, it really makes me think, you know, I they, they can't in the the way the NFL is now. It's not the same premise that it was even 10 years ago, which was you play stout defense and you run the ball because you just don't hold teams down in pure point total the way you used to. You must be able to produce points, and it doesn't even mean against the uh, the Broncos in the Super Bowl. I think they're going to need points to keep pace with the Niners. I know the Niners haven't shown up for a couple of games in Seattle. Now they've gotten whipped pretty good. I suspect, though, that those Niners are not going to struggle to put up 20 points at least, right? And I do doubt the ability of the Seahawks to do it, given the way they're playing right now, Wes. They were up 16 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. I don't think that game was as close as everyone kind of remembers yeah, it to but, be. Well, but if they, they needed but an if they onside kick, and I, then they needed a last-second touchdown just to get within yeah, double but the, digits. The other side of that, though, is that without the turnover, without Mark Ingram fumbling the ball in the, his own red zone there and giving it to them, it's you're talking about three field goals for the Seahawks. Well, against that defense that I don't really like, that Saints defense. Well, Michael Bennett forced that turnover. All right, well, that's fair. I mean, I'm not saying, I know it didn't happen in a vacuum, but it, without that turnover... Don't you think that in Seattle, they, I think the Seahawks in Seattle create more turnovers than any team in the NFL creates in their stadium. So I think that is something that's bankable. It's predictive. Hmm. Interesting. But I, I get your point about the offense. And this is the same offense that was operating on all cylinders against the Saints the first time they played. The personnel's the same. Uh, actually, the offensive line is healthier. I'm scratching my head wondering why they've been so underwhelming on offense. And the play calling was just abysmal the other day. Right. Uh, they got up and they dared Drew. They didn't think Drew Brees, Drew Brees could beat them, so they ran every single play and didn't give Russell Wilson a chance to throw until it was an obvious throwing situation. So that wasn't good. But I don't know why. I can't figure out why they are suddenly with the same personnel unable to move the ball. Um, yeah, so I, that, like you say, the home field advantage. I, I I feel very concerned if I'm a Seahawks guy right now that that's what you're hanging your hat on is is that because I don't practically think that like when you play the Saints, I, don't, I, I see no evidence of them being able to consistently run the ball with Marshawn Lynch against the Niners right now. How say you? It, it has, yeah, I mean, 
well, they've been able to do against other teams, but the Niners are a totally different proposition. Well, yeah, I mean, it's and again, it's it's where the Niners are right now, the update league and all that sort of thing. The Panthers did nothing against them, and they're sort of constituted in the same way when you consider that Steve Smith came out of the gate looking pretty good, but once he was hobbled a little bit, they they, they essentially did nothing against them. I don't say it's the same. To me, it's the same result for the Seahawks going well, into this yeah. Sunday. I think Cam Newton was averaging 14 yards per throw in the middle of the second quarter. Uh, I think the 49ers can be beaten through the air. The Seahawks just have to prove they can do that. Right, and I, they don't have that wep- They don't have the Steve Smith type weapon. I mean, Jermaine Curse earlier in the season was was playing great and looked like he'd come out of nowhere to do something. But suddenly he's whatever 20 games into a into a season, 18, 19 games into a season that he's just not. I don't think his body's quite used to to being able to do that right now. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Niners. And but before we jump to that, I'll tell you. You know what I love the most? First of all, Steve Smith is a is a great cat. You know, I love him trash talking and all that. And actually, the the whole notion of the trash talking thing leads us into the Niners stuff. But you talk about who is as you get into the Panthers. Do these guys care and all that sort of stuff? Did you see? That unbelievable close-up of Cam Newton just before the first offensive snap for the Panthers on Sunday. It was a tight shot over the line of scrimmage. And he, in the moment, you know, there are 70,000 people. This is the first big moment of his postseason career. And they went tight on him, and he just closed his eyes and sort of, I don't know if he said a prayer or what it was, but it was a it was just an awesome moment. It really sort of, you know, these guys want to shrug off the significance of the moment. They don't want to allow it to seep into their brain. But it was it was such a real moment that the camera caught. You didn't see it, huh? It's a shame our generation doesn't have its own John Facenda to emphasize that moment. Yeah, I know. We really need that too. We do. Um but instead we have terrible commercials. Which which one's <laughs> been driving you crazy in the postseason? I tend to block people on Twitter when commercials come up. That's what I do. That's a good. No, that's a good. I haven't good time enjoyed. I think CBS has. They keep running this oddly maudlin sort of tribute to itself with this sad song, as though everybody you know, like, but with like zany antics going on, and they're but they're they're talking about the thank you for making CBS. Am I allowed yeah. to say that Papa John scares me to death? Yeah, uh, well, sure. You can. Okay, sure. Yeah, can why, and by the way, yeah, the, we'll get to that later, I guess, but why doesn't Peyton, it seems like, uh, you know, he's invested in this. It's not just a solid, to his obvious close, dear friend, Papa John, but why doesn't he use this opera instead of all the talk is Omaha this and Omaha that why not Papa John's well, that's Papa John's Papa John's you I know? have a feeling I have a feeling that the answer is Papa John and, and two Peyton for one seem to go on a bunch of different road trips together I have a feeling he's looking to ditch Papa John do you think yeah, so I think it looks like it looks to me like the chemistry is all off with, between those two and at any he's trying his best to get back in the car and like Papa go get a pizza and then he's going to drive off hey Papa the we're uh, come on let's go for a ride it's just Tuesday night Super Bowl is uh, in for a few more days here. Let's go for a ride out uh, out by New Jersey. Got some uh, some, yeah. na- some land I'd like <laughs> exactly. to show you out there. Exactly. You know, Papa John swims with the fishes. Yeah. Where are where are we? <laughs> where, uh, are we Peyton? where are we, Peyton? I don't you know, just hang out there. We're driving in the woods. I, I I feel like I saw this on an episode of The Sopranos when they took uh, Chris uh, Chris Moltisante's girlfriend out here. Did, was that in that scene? Like, yeah, did, didn't the guy from didn't little Stevie from Springsteen's band take her out here? <laughs> Like, don't I recognize this? Like, yeah, you're talking too much there. Uh, talking too much there. Pop. Why am I in the trunk, Peyton? 
Um, but then again, the rake, you know, too much rake. It's uh, too much of anything. They just are nonstop with the Greg Kinnear, Greg Kinnear promo. But anyway, so all right. So Sean, pa- I mean, Sean Payton. So Cam Newton does the whole Superman thing, as you know. But then Colin Kaepernick mocks him with this. And oh, the firestorm it's, it's set off for the residents of Mount Pius. It's fire season up there on, the, on Mount Pius, <laughs> apparently, because they are up in arms. I have heard uh, there's one Buffalo columnist. He doesn't like Colin Kaepernick wearing his hat backwards. Colin Cowherd also is troubled, as he, he puts it. It's troubling that guys wear their hats backward. That, this, this sends a weird message. It's his hat on backwards. It's not It's not a social statement of any kind. And then I heard someone in Los Angeles on the radio say it's the hip-hop element. And it is it, it, it's saying goodbye, I guess, essentially, as he as this guy put it. It's really it's casting aside sportsmanship. Whatever happened to sportsmanship? This is what's happening now. And I find it troubling. And I'm not trying to read into it and be, uh, you know, be too uh, sensitive to these sorts of things. But I think we know what they're saying, really, aren't we? When they talk about Colin Kaepernick and Cam Newton and the showboating, I think we know what they're really getting at there. They're not saying because because the, uh, here's the update for the residents of Mount Pai said they may not have heard um, Muhammad Ali like to talk a little trash and showboat and and badmouth his foes before and during fights and Larry Bird who liked to wear his warm-up jacket in the three-point shooting contest and put his finger up in the air before the ball went through the hoop and Michael Jordan liked to trash talk and Kobe Bryant likes to trash talk and Tom Brady likes to get in if he feels slighted he loves to get in other guys faces and all the but but Colin Cameron it's the hip-hop element you see I don't know what's happening to our not just our sport, but to our society. And I find it a ludicrous thing. Does anybody, including you, black tie behind the glass, does anybody wish to try and play devil's advocate and make a case why this is a problem that I'm missing? Anyone? No, I think you've already given enough oxygen to the trolls that were. Uh, well, but it's a story now. It. But it's, it's a story. Not a story. It's a story. It was a story because some idiot from Buffalo who who wanted his three seconds of of twitter fame decided to write it and then enjoyed watching responses come back to him it's a it's a waste of everyone's time no i don't agree with the premise that this guy this buffalo column this guy did i just said that to see what kind of reaction it would get uh, from all of you i love when guys oh, quote yeah, that yeah, after the fact that. i don't yeah. believe that but i think he, he i just was messing with everybody oh yeah that's a great practical joke uh to the world people don't know who you are for the most part but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna make a, a doofy statement and then i'm gonna get attention for it gotcha world it's <laughs> the uh, fallacy of the innocent past combined with the pension of any white man over 40 to use the word hip-hop for any black culture he doesn't understand. Right. Ah, see, he's smart. Chris that's Wesley, why, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I listen to him. Chris Wesley. He, that's he, exactly he's a legend. Right. He's a legend. That's exactly right, though, by the way. That's 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 really see, what it comes down to. But what about the mocking? Did you Do you feel like it crosses a line? Oh, here's another name for you. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll also likes to, and Jim Harbaugh, going for it, going for a, a fake punt at the end of the game in a meaningless situation there. Now, I'm sure he can justify it and say, yeah, but if we then we keep possession of the ball and we, we need, uh, put, uh, put down our knee and that's the end of the game. But, of course, the Panthers, you know, no matter what happens, had no chance of winning that game. So what is the motivation for Harbaugh to do that? And Pete Carroll, for his part, also likes to stick it in the, the opponent's face. Witness him throwing a touchdown pass in a 50 to nothing uh, game against UCLA a few years ago when he was still the USC coach. Yeah, but 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 
Colin Kaepernick does it because he has tattoos, you see, and he and he has headphones on, probably listening to the hip hop. I don't know. What do you think he's listening to? Those crazy kids with their damn Fogelberg. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> what are you listening to? Some CCR. I don't know. I love Credence, man. It gets me jazzed. Um, so yeah, I uh, so I, I I found that uh, offensive. I was offended for. I was offended by the people who are offended. I, in other I words. personally don't like my quarterbacks to preen, but as long as several of them are doing it, I see no problem with one preening quarterback stealing another preening quarterback celebration. I, I like your thing that some, some parts of football should be a little bit like wrestling. Steve Smith's great at that, egging right. people on, stealing their dances. I'm fine with all that. That's part of the – look, this is this is a show. It's entertainment. This isn't – Yes, it's good it, for them for their individual brand that makes them more personalities. Yes, all that's true. But also, I really do think you can make a case that there's merit in behaving in that way. I think it gets in the opponent's heads. The whole idea, it really does tie, and I'm not, I don't think I'm straining too much to make this point. But And this isn't, again, Peyton bashing. But let me say about Peyton Manning, he goes out of his way to make a point about – I don't. I don't hear that. I, you know, the, that was a that was a great line on Sunday after the game about I'm not worried about. The only thing I'm worried about is getting a Bud Light in my mouth. You know, that's what, that that was a, that, his next endorsement. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, yeah. You, if you want to be cynical, you could say that. But uh, that that he was he was just. It, it was interesting that he did get the NFL approved beer too. And of course and, he did. And in the state, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't yeah, think he about that. Might be shunned for that. Yeah, that's right. Um, but he, uh, but yes, so fine. But he does that. But then also, when he gets upset, then he also reveals things like anybody who came up with that narrative can stick it where the sun don't shine. I think that clearly these guys hear it. The idea when they claim, oh, I don't, I don't pay attention, I don't hear any of it. Obviously, they do hear it. It's a matter of do they use it to their benefit or to their detriment. Michael Jordan, like I say, loved that. That the the, the stories are legend that are legendary. That oh, if they, you, in fact we were talking about it in the newsroom, Wes, tell Lebr- the story of LeBradford Smith. LeBradford Smith, who I remember playing at Louisville, uh, yep. ended up playing for the Wizards. It's a great name. Smith Le- is such a boring uh-huh. surname, and his parents, kudos to them for really jazzing that thing yes. up <laughs> and out. This was early '90s, I believe. LeBradford Smith was playing Le- for Brad- the- was playing for the Wizards and dropped 37 points on Michael Jordan and let him know about it. Big mistake. This is what you do. And and, and by the way, I, again, actually, that reminds me, yes, trash talking is fun and funny and can bring down your foe, but it can also bring you down. As Pep Hamilton reminded us, I said to your pal Chris Wessling from around the league the other day, I said, what sense is there? That uh, Chris, I'm sorry, Chris Rosenthal, I, uh, Chris, oh, <laughs> Greg <man. laughs> Rosenthal, and Chris Wessling. All right, now, now I'm gotcha. square. All right, I said to him, he's a Patriots wonk. I said, is there no, is there no sense of history? The one thing you don't do is poke the Patriots before a game because they have proven time and again if they feel slighted, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the entire team, they will, they will take it out on you. And you could see a million miles away this one was coming because Pep Hamilton had to make some slight uh, passing reference to Spygate. You knew a whipping was coming in Foxborough, and there and there it was. And, by the way, 
I'm no, you know, listen, I thought it was great the way Belichick high-hatted him after the fact. Pep Hamilton after the game, did you see it on the field? Pep Hamilton goes up to him after the game to try and, I don't know, probably make nice and say, "Ah, you know, you understand that was out of context and everything. And he slows down and extends a hand. Bill Belichick did not break stride. Just blew right past old Pep. (laughs) And it was glorious. Treated him like Mangini. So, yes, while I support your trash talking and your bravura and all that stuff, just, just... Recognize it's not a good idea to do it in some situations because well, they don't do it to Michael Jordan. Right. To, to uh, sew up this LeBranford Smith story, he dropped 37 points, career high on Jordan. Talked to him about it, and Jordan told him, "Look, I'm going to have 37 points on you by halftime next game," and then proceeded to do that. See what you need to do if you're going to do that against a great player like that, you just retire straight after the game. <laughs> yes. Talk trash to them and then go, "I'm out. I did everything I needed to do." In Pull the NBA. a Costanza. I'm done. Yeah. That's pretty much Got what Anthony top. Smith, the guy who shot his mouth off when the Patriots were in the right. midst of their undefeated season, said, "Oh, I guarantee we're going to go up there and beat them." The Steelers immediately wince. They, if you, you can go back and look at the quotes, like he said that really. Oh man, that's. I mean, they really their reactions are like that yeah. in the middle of the week. Wait, did he really do that? Well, I guess now we got to try and cover up for that. And then, and then shortly after, yeah. he was gone forever from it's, the Steelers. It's but. funny, though, talking about the trash talking because you're right, and there are some teams you do it against and some you don't. But this weekend, I mean, in, in any number of ways, these two championship matchups are like opposites of each other. With That's right. Old quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, whatever. But one part of it is those 49ers and Seahawks, you know, are going to talk at each other the whole way through that game, whereas the Broncos and Patriots will be awfully polite and kind of almost English about the whole thing. What an interesting. And, Interesting point. You're right about that. It, you know, it really does. Like that. That's one side versus just you know two teams that aren't going to talk trash at each other leading up to it or in it or afterwards, and it's all going to be like may the best man win. Um, well, yeah, that is interesting. And in fact, I feel like it's sort of similar to because yeah, that you have two in very simplistic terms. You have. Peyton versus Brady, the two classic sort of, you know, big, tall, white guys, you know, very, you know, very precise and and cool headed for the most part in in their behavior on the field. I know that they sometimes blow up at guys, but you you understand what I'm getting at. The classic field general on one side versus the the 21st century hip hop guys. Can I, is that fair? Because I think you can say I, that you can. Extend. I, don't, I don't think Russell Wilson fits that. By the he way, Russell Wilson by far does not fit that at <laughs> no, all. I know he doesn't, and yet people are are jumping to you that. You could say it's more about the head coaches than the yeah, quarterbacks. The head coaches, Harbaugh th- and Carroll have gotten. Uh, you know, gone at each other before. Right. And yeah. they're all about, you know, they encourage that in their yeah. team. They would want to. This weekend you saw it, you know, you saw the 49ers. They, Harbour had to be held back by, by Anquan Bolden, who up until that point had been the main offender for <laughs> getting in, in Panthers' faces. I got, and Wes, somebody sent this to you and, and me for some reason, just the two of us, say, asking about Anquan Bolden. And it was semi-interesting. Somebody tweeted at uh, the two of us that Anquan Bolden, if Lynn Swan is a Hall of Famer for stepping up in the postseason. Does that make Anquan Bolden a Hall of Famer? I don't think that does necessarily, because what Lynn Swan did was it, he was on top of everything else, and it does matter. You mentioned John Facenda, but those NFL film shots, those those beauty shots in the big games that we've seen ad nauseum now do affect, they do go into the brains of the voters, and those are the, the memorable uh, events of his career. And so Lynn Swan not only was extra productive in the big game, but he was also beautiful and all that and, and timely and dramatic. But I do think Anquan Bolden's a Hall of Famer, though, right? Wow. Uh, I I said this last night on our podcast, Heinz Ward or Anquan Bolden, because they're kind of similar that hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Heinz Ward has a Super Bowl MVP. 
and did, played really well and in the Anquan playoffs. And Anquan Bolden should have been the MVP last year. That's a fine debate. Yeah. And, I, and I've said that before. Uh, Hakeem Nick should have been the MVP of the season before that. But uh, do you think Anquan Bolden is a Hall of Famer? I don't think he is yet. I think he needs another year or two run like this. I think those numbers that he put up, though, you combine those with what he did in Arizona, and he and he was you know wildly productive, and now you put on the back end of what he's done now with being clutch. I think was, the combo of those makes Was sense. last year his first great playoff run? It doesn't seem like there should be more than that. I remember when he was playing with the Cardinals and Fitzgerald was playing with – when Fitzgerald was on fire, yeah, he was on fire throughout. Bolden the was stuff. injured, yeah. I believe, had a hamstring yep. injury and was barely a factor. Yep. Yeah, it's a, and it's also strange the injury he came back from. The the I mean that way he really messed himself up. Oh, not, when he it got wasn't hit in the face. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. that far off. He still sort of has. I'm not making fun of either guy, but like Roethlisberger, they don't look quite right when you fold the face down. When you literally surgically. Uh, cut open the top of the forehead and then fold it down. They ne- they never look quite right. That's pretty messed up to look in the. You know, I understand that there are significant injuries to to football players, but imagine if you're looking in the mirror for the rest of the time. You know, th- that's a pretty big commitment. Like, wow, this is what this is what I get for playing this game. Do you think that's what happened to Papa John? I, I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah, he's really worked on those eyebrows. Yeah. It seems like he's really spent a lot of time and care. Up, up there, right on the, right on that uh, forehead area there, just above the eyes. Um, so yes, so, the, so to the matchup that you discussed, then the the coaches matchup between Carroll and uh, and Jim Harbaugh. To me, I feel like I said this on Twitter, and I say it to you fellows now. If Harbaugh goes all the way here, or even if he does it, what? what let's say he just goes to the Super Bowl here. It's hard to make a case that he's not the best coach in the NFL, right? If he goes, and if he wins it, what if he goes his first three years in the NFL? NFC title game, Super Bowl loss, Super Bowl victory. Mustn't we declare him, especially if it comes against uh, Bill Belichick, don't we then declare him the best coach in the NFL? If he wins the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, but I think he have to beat Bill Belichick. I mean, look, Belichick's been taking his team to the conference championship three years in a row and has Super Bowl rings and has bunch of division titles stretching back as long as he's been um, in New England. I don't, I don't think he leapfrogs Belichick unless he wins the Super Bowl against Belichick. I think no matter what he does, I, I will not put him a, a ahead of Belichick yet. I think it's premature. That doesn't mean we can't appreciate him and say right. he's one of the best, and maybe he and Belichick are in the conversation, but Belichick is arguably the greatest coach in NFL history, so I, I don't know if... If you're talking about like right now, Belichick hasn't clearly hasn't won a Super Bowl in a while now. If Harbaugh beats Belichick in the game, I think that that's the only way you can make that case. Am I trying to talk about uh, guys trying to make a story with the hip-hop stuff? But legitimately, am I trying too hard to make something by saying that I feel like we're at the crossroads now? That neither style's going to go away. There's always going to be the big-arm guy who stands in the pocket, the Phil Rivers, and Ryan Mallett probably is on his way, and maybe Derek Carr in the near future is going to be that. But here comes Johnny Manziel, and here here comes Marcus Mariota in a year, and Teddy Bridgewater's a little bit of a hybrid in between those. But So there's always going to be a place for these kind of things. But in a copycat league, whoever wins this, this crossroads situation now, whoever wins this Super Bowl, new age quarterback or old school QB, do you feel like teams are going to try to, to mimic that? Because like I say, Eli and Joe Flacco are clearly the old school type of QB, do you think that people are going to reform their thinking and decide that this is the better way to go? Wes, because, and, and let me say why I bring this up. Because 
if you do the math, if everything goes just right, if no, if the same team does not win the Super Bowl in over the next five years, if you have different teams win at each of the five years, then by by definition, you're not gonna. Then one of these guys will not win a Super Bowl. Kaepernick, Cam Newton, RG three, Andrew Luck, Ryan Tannehill, and did I say Russell Wilson yet? You did. I'm t- there's somebody else in that group. It's interesting the way you talk about narrative and all that. One of those guys is going to be ringless, and they're going to be halfway through their career, pretty much. And it's gonna that will be the story. In the same way that out of this group, Roethlisberger, Breeze, Rogers, Brady, Manning, one of those guys is not going to have a ring, even if ev- if if, uh, if each of the other, if each of the names I just said to you wins a Super Bowl, one of those guys cannot. Five right. years from now, and by then they'll be out of the league. So then, will those new guys? And then also, you figure in there's that other group of Matt Stafford and Jay Cutler and Matt Ryan, guys who everybody talks like. I what I'm getting at is the point that people love to throw around in a vacuum. Oh, that guy's going to win multiple Super Bowls. Well, they only give out one Lombardi a year. Yeah. So what? style is going to win out when, when when the coach recognizes the reality of that. When you're Ken Wisenhunt, what is his move going to be now informed by these playoffs? Will he say, we got to get somebody who can run around some? I think your question is something that gets, gets inflamed uh, this time of year by the media and gets to be a talking point and really doesn't have much of a bearing on the future. It's like last year when the read option craze was happening, and we all said, well, that's the way quarterbacks are going to be from now on, and the read option was almost a non-factor this year. Non- non-factor this year. What, what happens is this is the way high schools and colleges are. This, these are the quarterbacks they're producing, and that's why. I don't think it has anything to do with who wins the Super Bowl and people are going to emulate that. I think it's just that these are the quarterbacks coming out. A lot of them are more mobile. Those are the people playing the position, and that's the way the NFL is going to go. Well, but I, but okay, go ahead. Well, yeah, I tend so. to agree. I think you know, it's too simple. Well, I don't think enough is made in the NFL of basically just blind luck, right? Sometimes things land in your lap as a GM or a coach. You get the quarterback, and what Belichick. I think the one thing you can look at Belichick going back to a conversation about who's the best coach is it's it's evolving your style to fit the guy. Don Shula did it. You know, he went from being the the running ground and pound, if you like, of, of the 70s to, wow, I've got Dan Marino. We better throw the ball a lot. And he was good at evolving. And Belichick's done that on a much more micro scale, almost year to year. Or I think, you know, Ken Wisenhunt in Tennessee now or any of the coaches, it's partly like, what have I got here and how can I make it work for me? I don't think they're going out there thinking, right, now I've, I, whatever I do, I have to go and get myself a running quarterback because... That's the way that you win in the NFL. I don't know, now. though. That's what I'm getting. Uh, to me, that that is. It's NBA basketball is completely different. There was an age when, you know, it was all white guys. And and, 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 even, and obviously it's easy to say, well, uh, you know, black guys weren't allowed to play. I'm talking about an age when black guys were allowed to play. And when B- Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain got into the league, they immediately began dominating it. And slowly things evolved into now, you know, it's, it's people make jokes all the time now about, oh, my God, there's a white guy who can dunk kind of thing. Isn't that maybe where the future is here now that, that, that not necessarily? I mean, Andrew Luck is a phenomenal athlete and, and runs around great and all that sort of thing, but is but fits more that new age uh, sort of definition, right? I, I think it's just the bottom line that now people are going to start like 
wrestling was saying in high school and college, people are going to start using the athletes at quarterback. Right. And, and that used to that's be the what case. I'm getting, that was right. always that's the case. 15 then, years from now, those are the guys that are going to be in the NFL then. But I don't, but it's not going to be that, like, it used to be that the athletes were playing quarterback and then they were, you know, told in college, well, you don't really fit the mold, so go play defensive back or go play receiver. I don't think that'll happen anymore, but it's not going to stop the 6'5", strong-armed white guy, you know, can stand in the pocket and, you know, Matt Stafford is still going to come along. The quarterback's most important job is always going to be passing. Right. I just, I, 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 like I say, so I guess I am probably making too much out of it then because I can, I can absolutely see that you say there, that there will always be a place for a Phil Rivers type. I don't know that there will. I, I think if the, I could see a scenario where Colin Kaepernick sort of feels like, and you almost got that in the Super Bowl. Maybe it's been delayed by the fact that the Niners didn't get past the Ravens last year, but I think it is kicking it down the road. But inevitably, a team like the Niners is just going to make the is going to run by. It's sort of like Alabama when USC went in there in the early seventies. I think they're suddenly going to be like, "Wow, we're playing a different game than what they're doing. We got to we got to modify our approach here if we want to stay relevant going forward." But but I think um, you know back to your your own your very own point. There are only there are thirty two quarterback jobs in the NFL. There's probably only fifteen or sixteen guys who can do it well. The reason Phil Rivers or the like of Phil Rivers is not going to go away is that. If you need a quarterback, you're not going to say, no, I don't want that guy. I'd much rather have another guy who may not be as good as as him. Right. Phil Rivers has a job because he's better than guys like Tyrod Taylor. I mean, there are guys that come into the league who are great athletes, and they're just not better quarterbacks than Phil Rivers. But my point is, as Black Tie said, it's what's going to happen in high school. As it trickles down more and more, there is going to be a, a mindset from sixth grade on Oh, this guy's our best athlete. That's who we put in. I think people do. That's been going on for 20 years. I think, yeah. I don't think that's changing anything. The one thing I would say there might change a little bit, and and, and I know everyone's sort of like, you know, bouncing around here, but there is definitely an element of color and stuff to this. But overall, I think it's more of a culture thing, essentially. It's a matter of, like, if you're the best athlete, really, in your class or whatnot, and you're growing up to play, a lot of kids would have looked up to, who were they looking up to back in the day? Like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, or whatnot. If you're a really good athlete, and now you're seeing guys like Cam, you're seeing RG3, mm-hmm. you're seeing Andrew Luck, who gets, you know, once again, because he's white, people overlook him. But he's, to me, he's like, he's the prototypical quarterback, Bill. That's exactly what you want. Maybe Andrew I'm Luck. rambling, but that's but, a, but I think you put a fine point on what get, I'm saying. And you get right. guys like even maybe Jameis Winston coming out. Guys are going to look up to those guys, Luck, Winston, Cam, and be like, hmm. What, Maybe what that's I'm what I wanted to do. Was this was already going on with guys like Randall Cunningham. I think that that was already happening. And mm. that's why you have now all these quarterbacks who can run. That's interesting. But when, you, when it comes down to it, when it boils down to I'm one of the 32 head coaches in the NFL and I need a quarterback in order to be able to win, which we've seen you know, through the years, you're just going to take the best one that's out there for you and you'll make sure you should at least there make are, sure that your scheme fits it. There are coaches who will go into the draft in GM saying I want a guy who can run or I, went, I want a prototypical 6'5", 250 passer. I think most of them, though, will say this is the best quarterback right. we're taking in. What do you want? What, what what do you want, Wes? If you have in a vacuum, you can pick anybody who you want. Do you want that more classic kind of QB, or do you want a guy like Kaepernick or Cam Newton? My philosophy on sports, and this would go in any draft in any sport, is to throw preconceptions out the window, approach every pick as a new player, as a distinct, unique player, and judge them based on who they are, not on what prototype they might fit. Handsome. You have to make exceptions for You're, unique players. I'd like Andrew Luck, please. 
Yeah, that's that, what I want. Yeah, I, I want a guy who can do both equally well. And and to Black Tie's point, people don't expect him to be able to run. I remember we sat here with Brian Hartline, and we were talking about who's the fastest quarterback. I brought up Andrew Luck, and he looked at me like I suggested that Phil Rivers might be the fastest. It's fastest a funny thing, and Wes, I know you got to go. Uh, I I I will say, but it's, it, it it does sort of lend what to uh, something to what I am talking about here trying to get at which is Ryan Tannehill they're so consumed with him in Miami or they were with him being a pocket passer when we talk to Ryan Tannehill himself or Brian Hartline across the board no 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 we don't talk about his I mean they they don't even joke about his wide receiver stuff you know they oh no shame the devil if he run he's not I mean Geno Smith all that talk. Why, why, Geno Smith can run a little bit. So can Ryan Tannehill as actually a, a better runner than Geno Smith. But in both cases, you watch them play in situations, and you can tell they 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 so they're they're so loath to be perceived as a guy who runs around that they stand in the pocket when it's the clear and obvious choice to make to tuck the ball and run for the I first would say down. It was I think funny. guys are committed to being some old school kind of quarterback thing. I'm wondering when that's going to go away. What, in other words, what I would say ultimately, I think. Like I think Alex Smith is just a, as athletic right. as Geno Smith, if not more athletic, and oh, he's definitely. willing to use he's willing to use those skills. And I think that's what Geno need, Geno needs to look like a, a guy like Alex Smith for his progression. Like he doesn't want to perceive as a running quarterback, but there's a difference between running just to run and running to throw. That's what Romo does. It's what Wilson has done a little bit of in in his time. Drew Brees does that as well. A- Aaron Rodgers gets overlooked. He's great at doing that. Those guys who are just evasive. It's about being mobile and not being a runner. There's an insecurity there. Yeah, kind of a vestige of twenty or thirty years ago. You don't want to be stuck with that stigma as a running quarterback, right? And but what you hear is though what the the, the conversation coming off of Sunday's game in Carolina is you can see Cam Newton is is growing into the role and he's maturing and all that sort of stuff. I I, I see no reason to put restrictions on what he does and and make him more this the obsession with we have to teach him to be a pocket passer. Why? Because that's worked. It, that was working for a chunk of time in pro football. Who's to say it's not? I find that pro football. My my youth was spent watching college football and I love college football at the time because you could see all different styles. The thing that was bad about the NFL in comparison was that everybody ran essentially the same offense, whereas in college there was wishbone, there was all sorts of stuff. Now everybody is spread in college football, and in the pros is where you see all this variation. And I find it exciting, and and I'm curious where it's going. I will say this, though. Talk about Andrew Luck. The thing that occurred to me is what we talked about last week, Handsome Hank. It's and and black tie was here too for it. Obviously, I, we talked about to me. Give me Andrew Luck and Brett Favre and John Elway and Ben Roethlisberger over Brady, the the the, the technical guys, the guys that are super efficient. Watching that game on in Foxborough. All right, he has seven interceptions in two playoff games and everything. But Andrew Luck, it, it, it was exciting the way he just keeps pulling the trigger and the dynamic plays. I find that if I'm a fan, I want the gunslinger guy. I over Even though that if you have Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Drew Brees, you're going to make the playoffs almost every year because that sort of efficiency, that sort of accuracy and so on is going to 
over the course of time, the larger the sample size gets, the more they're going to win. So they're going to go to the playoffs every year. They're always going to win 10 games, it would seem. Whereas the other guys are more up and down. But I, lo- I-, I love that once you get to January, it seems like those guys make plays that pull games out. I know Andrew Luck hasn't shown evidence of that. But didn't you get a sense? Wasn't that, wasn't that arguably the most exciting part of the entire weekend was Andrew Luck for whatever that was, 45 real minutes when you thought this game's over, the Patriots are going to run away. And all of a sudden, Luck looked terrible through some bad passes. And all of a sudden, you thought, what's going Oh, my God, he's going to pull, he's going to bring him back. That was the highlight of the weekend. I couldn't agree more. And I would use the word transcendent. When, when a player, like you said, operates outside the structure of the offense, is out there freelancing, sandlot ball, it's more like a performance. Uh, you know, some like a play or something. It's it's transcendent. It, not, yeah, I thought that was by far the most exciting moment of the weekend. I it's it's been scattered throughout in my brain, but that that's really what I'm talking about. Ultimately, it's not just that I think it's fun, or I mean, and it is fun, and I definitely like the fun element of it and the entertainment value of it. But ultimately, I think that guy, those guys are going to win the same number of rings anyway. I think that I, I if so, they're going to be some upset. Uh, you know, Elliot Harrison loves to throw out the other side of that is it's like, well, John Elway, it's worth pointing out. You know, you got to. The reason he always pulled off those last-minute comebacks was because he put them behind by throwing some terrible second-quarter picks. I, I, I ultimately, let me roll with that come the postseason. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, with Andrew Luck, he had to make some of those plays because he doesn't have a supporting cast. I mean, when you look at the bare bones of it, it's funny. People, you know, have spent a lot of time talking about Ryan Grigson, the Colts GM, as like, what a great job he did. And this is what I mean a little bit by the element of luck and, and to extent Chuck Pagano. No, they just drafted Andrew Luck and he made that whole team look better. If you look, if you took luck out of the equation and you put another quarterback in there, who, you know, Geno Smith or Ryan Tannehill or someone closer to the NFL mean quarterback, their skill position players aren't better. Their offensive line's definitely not better than it was when Peyton Manning was there. Their defense isn't better than when Peyton Manning was there, but Andrew Luck has, you know, what using Wes's word, he's transcendent. He's made that whole team come together and dragged them into the playoffs two years in a row. But if if he went away, that team's just not that good. Um, to, to just wrap it up on your point there, Shaq, is you're essentially just saying the type of guys you want. You want gamers, not just yep. the talented guys. You want the guys who you know. You know, are not going to be fearless. Come push a shove. You don't want Blake Griffin. You want Zach Randolph. That's essentially what you're saying. And I, I, I agree with you. There's those. There's always that conversation hmm. to be had that, yes, they're not as talented. I still prefer Peyton Manning, but there's something about Big Ben, about luck so far, that when it, when it comes time to play, those guys are going to be ready to go and they're not going to be scared of anything. It's sort of like, I guess. It almost goes back to body language. almost does. It's funny. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny thing. Whoa, we're throwing stuff around in here and everything. The um, it, It's kind of, um, it's a weird, I'll try to make a weird simile, which is when you write stuff or that producers are very particular in, in, in TV-related stuff. Producers want to know, what are you going to do in this segment? They'll say, "What are you? Where, where are you going in this segment? And I'm inclined to say, sometimes successfully, sometimes less so, like this podcast, when I'm having a hard time wrangling my thoughts. I, I, I am sort of of the mind, well, let's just see where it goes. I have a premise that I want to get out, and we'll figure it out as we talk to people but not producers they want to know exactly where you're going at all times because the producer is responsible for that and it reflects poorly on them if they're not in control they're very they cross the t's dot the i's they're very left brain kind of people right brain kind of people are let's see what happens to me i guess i'm saying 
I and the co in my little simile, the head coach and offensive coordinator is the producer. And the performer is the quarterback, of course. To me, I like the guys that are freelancers. It might make the coach uneasy, but ultimately the results are going to probably, at the end of the day, be about the same in terms of rings and success and all that. Maybe you don't go to the playoffs as often, but you have more. Uh, but, but as a fan, uh, the, the iconic moments stand out much more. Whose career is marked by more dramatic and memorable moments? Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, or... Elway, Favre, Roethlisberger. Good, bad, and ugly. They're right. all in there, but they stand out more, don't they? Well, they, you're, you're exactly right, they do. But then again, this comes back to my point about the coaching. What I think some coaches, NFL coaches are inclined to do is say, that's nice, and I like the fact that you did it, and maybe you won some games for us in your first season, two seasons. But what I want to do is I want to force you into this kind of pigeonhole of being what I think a quarterback should be. Yeah. And I saw that a little bit earlier this season with Colin Kaepernick. I think the 49ers, as, as inventive mm-hmm. as Harbour is and Greg Roman and that uh, offensive um, stuff, I think they tried to say Colin Kaepernick should be this type of quarterback. And now the reason that the 49ers picked up again was probably because they, they didn't try to force him down that, that sort of rabbit hole of, of being their perception of what an NFL quarterback should be. What uh, last thing, and then we'll wrap it up here just because we've hit on the other games on some level. What did you think of Broncos and uh, and Chargers? I thought it was interesting that as soon as Chris Harris goes out, they Keenan Allen destroyed them. Mm-hmm. You wonder what would have happened um, if if that if that would have been the case the whole time. Do you think now that are, are they in trouble because of that? Because Champ Bailey's been used as a nickel, and they're floating him around. He ain't right, and he's old anyway. Um, I you know I give the advantage to Peyton with his weapons over obviously what Brady's got going, but I think this might be an equalizer, eh? I definitely think so. And who's better at finding out where your weakness is and then exploiting it than Bill Belichick? So I'm sure that they will have seen that and and he'll have been licking his lips. What did you make of Peyton drilling a couple throws and when the, with the game on the line? He could have thrown it away. He could. It wasn't a chance to win it. It was a chance to to hold on to a right. lead. What did yep. you think? I, I thought it was brave that they let him do that, but he had the wind at his back, and they probably figured that the one thing you don't want in the fourth quarter, one way or another, whether you're trying to win the game or hold on to the game, as was the case, that you don't want Peyton throw. It was like a 30, 40-mile-an-hour wind that he would have been throwing into rather than with his less-than-strong arm. Um, you know, It's better that he, was, he had the wind behind him. Are you rooting for it to snow? At the Super Bowl. No, this weekend. In the title games. Of course, you are rooting for. Something. Yeah, or you should be. Doesn't that not, mean you? Doesn't crazy. that make you a Peyton hater? Nope. Do you want to? Does that make you a Peyton hater to want for it to be under forty degrees, where that is the story? Um, Whether Peyton likes it or not, that is the story. I think one way or another, because of the outdoor Super Bowl, I think I'd be considered a Peyton hater if it was if it wasn't for the fact that the Super Bowl is going to be played outdoors in New York in in February. So he's gonna. He probably is gonna have to do this one way or another. Interesting. All right, uh, handsome black tie. You have any body language thoughts you wanted to get in? How do you feel? Just give us a quick update on Russell Wilson's body language, because uh, mm. like Wes says, he has not been great. It's time for black tie's quarterback <laughs> body language breakdown. All right, guys. It's a quick one. A quick one All before right, we wrap ahead. here. Russell Wilson's been fine. He just hasn't had the weapons. They it was raining. They you know 
different, you know, different game plan. Lynch, a beast, beast mode once again. Um, but you understand, he's going to have to score a lot. He's going to. Game. He's going to. I mean, I don't think he's going to score a lot because, once again, it's a division rivalry. Those games, except that one blowout, those games are usually tight. Those games are usually tight, especially Niners and Seahawks. But moving on, though, the best quarter, you know, body language from this past weekend, obviously, Phil Rivers. He lost the game, but you got to love the fight. You got to love the intensity. You got to love. When he doesn't even I get the ball snap. You're right. I he did just, like He's it. just so good. And on the flip side of that, you have Cam, who, for the most part, was a lot better this year in terms of, you know, not looking pouty and whiny on the sideline. But, you know, we spoke – Hank and I were talking to, you know, Tom Brady, you know, who's a boss here at NFL Digital Media. And uh, he was just talking about how Cam is still pouty. Like, they had a chance to still win the game. They were still in the game when the Panthers went up about maybe two scores. And he just looked so – done and it's like that's not going to inspire your troops that's not going to inspire your players if they look at the quarterback on the sideline and he just he just looks defeated already come on come on cam get it together come isn't on. that what tom brady does tom brady does it with fire though he's more on the philip river side he does it with fire he does it with I like paid manning pouts a lot too and hey i've never i've never given props to Peyton Manning's body language because he does have a little like fear in him when things get tough he does seem very agitated. He seems very uneasy and he doesn't like being there. He's a habit of creature. He wants to get in his flow. When things get tough, Peyton Manning does look a little bit not maybe not scared, he does look a little bit worried. Um all right, so whose body language do you favor in in uh, in these two games there, Black Tie, while we're doing this segment in case Oh, I gotta go I gotta go Russell. Russell's even kill and that's one thing you want the most out of your quarterback. You want a guy who's even kill and positive and that's one thing you know about Russell Wilson. His go hawks, you know, he's just a, a very positive guy. On the other side Tom Brady's a cold man, man. He's cool. He's cool. His calm is collected. If they Except go up, that he big, hasn't played great. He hasn't put together consecutive playoff games. I agree. Great playoff games in some time now. I agree. I agree. But I'm not. I'm, I'm not picking a pass to win. I think the Broncos pull it out just because they're weapons. Ooh. But Tom Brady, if I, you're way more likely to get a comeback out of late comeback out of Tom Brady than you are out of Peyton Manning, because Peyton Manning feels that weight, that pressure. When you know you and Rank always get on him, he he he's heard you guys. You know he feels that weight, he feels that pressure. Brady, I I think he'll pull it out if he was in that situation. Hmm. Well, I can't wait. I promise I'll do a better job. I apologize. I I, I was like I say, I, my head's all over the place today. I got to, my head swimming with enthusiasm. Really, I'm so excited for the yin and yang of these AFC and uh, NFC. And what about the Pro Bowl? Games. Excited for the Pro Bowl? Oh yeah, the Pro Bowl. Let me tell you about the Pro Bowl. It's coming up fast. We've heard Dion Kibitzin about it, and Jerry Rice. They're drafting the two sides. It's a pick 'em. Day one. It's uh, coming up here in what? Exactly 10 days from the time of this recording. No, I think it's uh, January 22nd. Eight days. The 21st, right. But the 21st, Tuesday, one hour, airs at 8 p.m. Eastern. Chris Rose and uh, Rice and uh, Dion are going to be talking about the leading vote-getters. Um, no other plane. No, okay, yeah, so there's all that. And then the next day, on Wednesday, the 22nd, three hours, live at 8 p.m., then the picking really gets going. 60-plus players with Chris Rose, Stacey Dales, Beisner's there, Mooch and uh, Marshall Falk will be there, picking all the players. I've uh, I've looked at some of this stuff in advance, and it should be really a cool thing. Watch them play. It's pick-up with, uh, with superstars. It's pick-up with superstars. What could be better? Who's going to be the last guy picked? I Who's don't know. I'd like to be. the last pick in, well, the, you, in I the know you draft? The QBs. They're, 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 but the, if it wasn't? Putting that aside, put aside the rules, these silly rules that they put on the fact that a QB has to go last, which is mm. disappointing. I'd like to know who's the millionaire 
multi-millionaire who's going to be picked last in the game of pickup because that's kind of funny. Left guard. No, they're being picked the day oh, before. Oh, right, right, right. Offensive yeah. line are already out the mix. That's right, yeah. So we're talking oh, so about fullbacks. superstars. Yeah. yeah, Mike Talbot. Maybe, I'll tell maybe you. Maybe the guy. Yeah, it's or it's going to be, yeah, you do draft the left tackles. You do, la- yeah. I, I'm not sure about the fullbacks where they go. Um It'll be a linebacker. It'll be a, It'll be a, a middle linebacker. But, isn't it be fun? but even those names are big names. Right, it's Luke Keekley. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you go through all those Willis and Bowman and all those guys. It's yeah. going to be one of those kind of uh, fellows. Or Alteron Werner. Is a, yeah. When you look at the cornerbacks at the position that, uh, that are on that list. Brent Grimes could be in the mix. Oh. My buddy. Oh, good luck to you with Brent Grimes. That's um, a good one. Get, send us your thoughts. Hashtag DDFP. Who, who would be the last player taken in a Pro Bowl draft? Um, it's a yes, fun one. do that. All right, black tie. We got to get. Uh, I apologize. I want to really focus in on what's going to happen in these two title games. No, that's what Sunday. Wednesday's podcast is for. This uh, was uh, this was a preview. podcast breaking down. But wasn't it great having Chris Wessling here? Yeah. Oh, he's terrific. He's, he's a smart guy. He's smart. He's fun. He's well, that's about I could listen to him all day. I, I think he's terrific. I really enjoy him quite a bit. Um, all right, then. So we'll be back later in the week to preview those two title games for you. Thanks to Chris Wessling. Thanks to Black Tie. Thanks to Handsome Hank. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.